0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Know Who Drives Return, the the podcast brought to you by Border Alpha. I'm I'm David Drapkin. Today we're we're delighted to be to be joined by John Brown. John is a portfolio manager and a member of the investment management team at Robinson Capital. Um, he overlooks the, the SPAC product for Robinson. Uh, John, thank, thanks so much for for joining us today.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me, David. I really appreciate it.
0: Right. So just to start off, how about a little bit of introduction on you? Um, and, and your role at Robinson.
1: Yeah, so I've uh, been a portfolio manager and director of research here at Robinson Capital for probably the last seven years. Um, yeah, for those not familiar, Robinson Capital is a boutique uh, fi- uh, alternative fixed income manager um, that that has around $850 million in, in AUM right now. And, and our m- primary focus is on uh, alternative fixed income products. And so that, you know, prim- primarily we're focusing on, you know, the close end fund space, but also SPACs as well as a, a um, interesting alternative fixed income solution for investors.
0: Great. Um, and so obviously we're, we're mostly here to talk about SPACs today. Um, and so, you know, the, the popular theme um, uh, in the SPAC boom in the last year and a half, two years, have been more about the, the high-flying names, you know, SPACs that have you know jump 20 30 40% pre-deal you know as i understand it um, you're focused on on SPACs from a, from a bit of a different angle can you talk talk a little bit about the approach you're taking um particularly as a as an alternative fixed income provider versus you know what some of the the public might do as as, as more of a SPAC trade
1: yeah so we're all familiar with um you know how these the, the SPACs initially got marketed by mainstream media it was a way for retail investors to participate in, in, in IPOs with, you know, the institutional uh, players, um, you know, said another way, uh, the ability to participate in the next Amazon, Tesla, <laughs> IPO, et cetera. Right. And, 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 and while that's exciting to talk about, um, you know, how we're viewing the SPAC space, isn't really um, so different than how a lot of the hedge funds um, have also been approaching the space, whether it's via, you know, looking at it through an absolute return type lens, or um, in our case, you know, we're looking at it as an alternative fixed income lens. And so, um, you know, what we're really looking at and focusing on is is solely the pre-merger SPAC market. And, um, you know, as, as you familiar, um, you know, a SPAC, is essentially just a T-bill portfolio that the proceeds are sitting in a trust. Um, you know, it has a, you know, so it has a trust value a redemption value or a par value. Um, you know, it has a, 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 stated maturity and, and based on that, it has a, you know, yield to maturity as well. All the, all the same things that a, a bond has, right? So it's a pre-merger SPAC in our, our opinion is, is simply a, a fixed income instrument um, that quite honestly has has significant upside potential when a a market friendly deal is announced. And so, um, you know, instead of sort of chasing those high flyers uh, or or focusing on on post-merger specs, which are just equities at that point, we're really focused on the pre-merger space as as we believe in the current environment, we're able to purchase these at a, you know, two and a half percent sort of uh, yield to worst, um, you know, and that yield to worst is assuming that any spec that we own doesn't find a merger, a merger target, right? And so we're just redeeming our our, our shares at the end of the end of the life. Um, you know, that two and a half percent may not, you know, seem incredibly exciting, um, you know, especially to an equity type investor, but. Um, you know, when you look at where rates are across the fixed income spectrum right now, um, that sort of two and a half worst case scenario is pretty attractive, especially when you're looking at, you know, the Barclays Ag, for example, which is yielding one and a half percent. You go and you look at anything that's shorter duration and, and it's well inside of that. And so we think the worst case scenario of two and a half percent. Um, versus traditional fixed income is extremely compelling. Um, you know, you couple that with the fact that there is this equity-like upside opportunity or optionality. Um, and we think that you have one of the most attractive risk, uh, risk-reward risk profiles that, that I've ever seen in my investment career.
0: Right, and, and, and two things on that. So maybe for some of the folks that aren't as, as savvy in, um, in fixed income land. So you mentioned two and a half percent call it. On a on a a yield to worst um, situation, which would be a a SPAC would you know complete its life without finding a deal. What happens if they do find a deal? What what happens to that yield?
1: Yeah. So so two things. Um, One, if a when a deal's announced, um, you know, if the market likes it, you may see a a pop in in the share price. You know, two, three, five, ten, twenty percent, whatever whatever it may be. Um, you know there, that upside is is attractive um, and you know we may uh, be able to sell out of that you know immediately and, and lock in our our proceeds and then reinvest that in another spec that hasn't uh, announced a merger target. Um, the other option is you know that perhaps the spec uh, announces a merger target that the market doesn't particularly find attractive and so there's no share share pop right? Well, that's still a good outcome because instead of, for example, maybe there was 18 months remaining to earn that two and a half percent. Well, once a SPAC announces a merger target, the average um, time from announcement to completion is is roughly around six months. So what that simply does is allows you to earn that sort of two and a half that you were going to earn over the next 18 months, you know. Pull that forward, and you're going to earn that two and a half percent over the next six months, perhaps. And so, um, both outcomes, in our our opinion, are are positive for for this type of strategy.
0: Right, right. Um, and it's essentially uh, a risk free trade. You know, the the redemption feature of a, of a SPAC, which I, I, I find to tend. Is, is one of the things that the, the general public is, is least educated about the, the, the actual mechanics uh, of the SPAC vehicle itself being, you know, a literal, if you will, it, you know, it, it, barring, you know, nefarious behavior, a, a literal risk, riskless trade, um, you know, given, given the redemption feature.
1: Yeah, and, and that's, you know, that's critical to what got us into the space in the first, in, you know, in, in, you know uh, in, the, in the first place. Um, you know, given that you know valuations on equities are are extremely lofty, uh, spreads in the fixed income market are as tight as they've ever been. Um, you know, it's not apparent that that this is the environment where you want to be reaching for risk, right? And yeah. so, knowing again that you you have this sort of uh, you know risk free again, a SPAC is just you know the proceeds are held in a trust account that are invested in T bills, so you know, essentially no credit or interest rate risk, but that sort of guaranteed two and a half percent type return as a worst case scenario, knowing that you also have this equity, like upside on, you know, any spec that announces a positive merger target, you know, again, that risk reward profile is, is pretty compelling, especially in an environment where valuations, you know, may be considered stretch and stretched and uh, spreads extremely tight.
0: Right. Right. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your security selection process. So obviously, um, as an alternative fixed income product, you're focused very much on on, on getting yield. Um, Does that mean you're literally just buying the cheapest SPACs out there or are there features of SPACs or SPAC sponsors um, that go into your security selection process for, for what you're buying for the fund?
1: Yeah, no that, that that that's one component of what we look at, or, or that that we look at with uh, within our model. Um, you know, obviously as a alternative fixed income product, you know, we do find that quantitative statistic to be you know extremely important in, in understanding what our sort of downside scenario is, right? Um, but you know, just as importantly, uh, you know it it's it, it's important to understand. What sponsors you're you're looking at? Um, you know, do they have a history of of successfully completing you know mergers in the SPAC space? Um, are they professional uh, allocators, for example? If they haven't uh, launched any SPACs prior, um, you know, what have they done? Have they been on any boards, or were they running uh, and allocating capital for a private equity, a, a venture capital firm, etc.? And you know, what's their track record look like there? And so. Obviously, we try to place probabilities on the likelihood of of a sponsor, um, you know, completing a deal. But also looking at you know sponsors who we think have a higher probability of completing a good deal, mm-hmm. um, you know, is 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 just as important, if not in, if not more important. Um, so you know, there's a, there's a, there's several things that we look at. It's it, you know, it's definitely we're going to look to look at the yield to maturity. And then, then we're really going to dig into the sponsors themselves to try to, again, place a probability on the likelihood of, of a successful merger.
0: Right. And then as part of that decision-making process, you know, the likelihood that they bring a good deal, I assume you're also taking into account uh, maybe a probability or, or, or the likelihood of a, of a fast deal, you know, just given, given the nature of a yield, correct?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, All that goes into the calculation, um, you know, the, the, you know, the time left to complete a merger, um, perhaps more importantly, how, how long, um, you know, has it been since they've IPO'd? We generally have a good idea of, you know, what a rough estimate for how long it takes to find a merger, um, merger is. So we'll, we'll take that into account in, in terms of, you know, some of the different specs that we're looking at, but but yeah, ultimately we're looking at the past performance of of any of these repeat sort of spec issuers and and taking that into account, and placing a probability that a a good deal is made and and a timely deal.
0: Got it. Cool. And we'll we'll we we'll, we'll, we'll get to your thoughts on, on what's going on from a, a broader perspective with with, with spec oversupply. But shifting a little bit to to spec IPOs, um, yeah. there was a time earlier in the year where. Um, investment managers, hedge funds are clamoring for any IPO allocation they can get, um, you know, do a quick trade, everything's going to pop. Um, that, that market has obviously shifted a lot today. You see most things trade down. We're seeing you know, sponsors give up economics. We're seeing sponsors be forced to overfund a trust. H- how are you guys viewing the IPO market? Are you active in the IPO market? Um, get some of your thoughts there.
1: Yeah, so depending on on what's available, um, we have been active in the IPO market. Um, we recently uh, were active in in a a a, a SPAC IPO, but um, you know it's been less so as of late. Given that these, you know, mo- I think it's ninety some percent of these are trading yeah. trading below trust value, and and so when you look at the the units, um, you know, if you think that an IPO is going to trade down, well. You know the the rationale is why I participate in the IPO, and so we've been able to, you know, get get access to these units um, below the sort of IPO price in the secondary, and so we've been doing that lately. Um, but we 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 aren't opposed to participating in in an IPO if it has attractive sort of terms. And for example, um, you know, lately we or, or, or recently we participated in one that you know had an overfunded trust of. Ten dollars and ten cents, a twelve-month uh, sort of uh, life, um, and then also was had a full warrant, and so we thought that that was a, an attractive um, IPO to participate in. And you know, I guess the market would agree. Um, you know, looking at it now, it's, it's trading you know well above that that ten-dollar sort of IPO price. So um, we do, and we are active in the IPO market. However, as of late, it's been less so just because we're able to, you know, sort of get better economics um, in the secondary.
0: Right, right. Um, and so just one more thing specifically for you guys. Um, so you're obviously focused on pre-deal SPACs. Yeah. Um, does that mean you're not holding anything post-close, whether it be equity or
1: warrants? Yeah, that's that's correct. And so, uh, you know, again, once once a SPAC, de-SPACs or, or completes a, a merger, um, it's no longer a spec. Mm-hmm. It's it's an equity, um, and so you lose those bond characteristics um, that that we place a you know high level of importance on. Right, you lose that downside protection, and so um, you know just based on our strategy, we are only focusing on the pre merger specs and in our our ETF that we our pre merger ETF that we manage, which is ticker SPAX. Um, we've gone as far as to to actually sticker in the prospectus uh, language that, that says we cannot own SPACs after they've completed a, a, a merger.
0: Right, right. Um, you know, we recently spoke um, to, to a, a SPAC fund manager who, who said that um, you know, the, the best thing that could happen to what we're seeing in the SPAC market is, is what's currently happening, um, You know, taking into account the oversupply and some of the trading down that we're seeing Do you agree with that? And and, and what do you think um, can help bring some positivity back to to, to pre-deal SPACs? Sort of maybe not as crazy um, hysteria as we were seeing, you know, earlier last year, but maybe a more normal cadence of you know pre-deal SPACs trading up on what should actually be, you know, excitement about a good deal instead of everything, not everything, but you know, the majority of things that we're seeing today sort of trade flatter down.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that that. This is good in terms of the evolution of of specs and the progression of specs. You're seeing a lot of sort of self regulation <laughs> um, in, in the space. Uh, you're, you're, you're you're seeing the the specs that have proven sponsors and and board members who you know are expected to bring good deals uh, you know sort of to the market. You're seeing them um, you know get a premium to those that you know maybe have no capital allocation experience and really have no business you know being in the SPAC space other than it was you know you know one uh, 6 12 months ago um, you know anyone could launch a SPAC and it was sort of seen as a way to to get free money right well it's good to see that the space is is sort of self-regulating here and that that you're hopefully going to you know crowd out those that those sponsors that should not, um, you know, be in the space to begin with. And so I think ultimately, from a longer term perspective, you know, cr- forcing those types of, of SPAC sponsors out should hopefully allow for the higher quality sponsors to really sort of rise to the top and and bring good deals, you know, to the market, which ultimately, you know, I think will lend itself to once again, seeing larger, larger pops, as opposed to just bringing any private company public. Right. Right.
0: right. What, what more question on, on that, back, back to the sponsors a little bit, but just because obviously your dynamic is a little different, you know, not owning post close, post close back. So you're, maybe you're not as focused on um, you know, what's going to happen post close, but how focused are you guys on, Alignment of sponsors and and general investors vis a vis things like earnout shares and, and you know not automatically getting a promote just because you price the deal is that something you know you pay attention to and is that something um, that that you see you know being almost a forcing function to change going forward for 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 sponsors?
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely critical for the longevity of of the SPAC market to to, to continue quite frankly. And, um, you know, it is it, sort of perverse incentives to just get 20% just because you made a deal, regardless of whether it was a good deal or not, um, you know, is misaligned, is misaligned quite frankly. And so, um, you know, as we see more of these, you know, sponsors tie an earnout structure or a multi-year lockup um, to their, to their deals, you know i think you're going to you're 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 only going to strengthen the case for spacs to be a you know a be an, be a, a primary option for private companies going forward and you know that's going to lend itself to you know bringing more capital into the space because you're you're aligning the those incentives with the investors uh, directly so you know, I think we're already seeing some of that take place. I think we have a long ways to go to get to where we need to be, um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see more and more alignment with sponsors and and sort of long term shareholders.
0: Right, um, t- tend to fully agree with you there. Uh, have to ask it. Uh, any thought on on the craziness with uh, some of these gamma squeeze trades that that, that we've been seeing? Although today, as of, as of this recording. Um, maybe that trade has gone away, but any thoughts on, on what's going on there? You know, the Reddit crowd, you know, the numification of SPACs.
1: Yeah. You know, I think, I I think you're always going to have those types of pockets that are going to pop up, um, you know, when, when things, uh, get a bit goofy. Right. And so when you see 95% type redemption numbers, there's clearly an opportunity for, you know, a contingency to step in and try to arb that type of situation. Um, it's hard to say whether we're going to continue to see that going forward or not. Um, you know, I think the hope would be that 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 becomes less and less. Obviously, having such high redemption rates is 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 a negative sort of headline for the for the SPAC market in general. So, um, you know, you really don't want to see those types of, of of redemptions occur on a regular basis. So so hopefully we we see less and less of that. But, um, you know, I think you're still going to see that on occasion.
0: hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seems a little counterintuitive for a a SPAC that had, you know, 95% redemptions, uh, you know, trade up, you know, 50% on the news. So, you know, it's another one of those things where, you know, reality is a little disjointed from, uh, you know, what's actually going on behind the curtains. But if nothing else, it's at least entertaining on my side to to watch that all go down.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's definitely a trade. It's not a long-term investment. Um, So you're going to, you know, like many other things, you you could see short term sort of dislocations like that, um, but again, I wouldn't in- envision that sort of persisting, you know, in the long term.
0: So, uh, how has SPI- SPAX been performing?
1: You know, we've been performing um, fairly well. Um, we've been we've we launched around three months ago. Obviously, um, the SPAC space as a whole has has traded down. Um, you know, but looking at us versus the other. Um, you know, three or four SPAC ETFs out there, um, you know, we've, we've, we've outperformed, you know, all of the other ones. So we're quite happy with, you know, with, with how we've performed, um, you know, relative to, to the other SPAC options uh, out there.
0: Awesome. And congrats, congrats on the launch. I'm sure a lot of work went into it. So, um, you know, it's, it's fun to watch. Uh, but aside from SPACs, what else do you focus on?
1: Yeah, so we we've been uh, focusing on uh, the closed-end fund space for oh the last you know ten plus 10, 10 or so years. Um, as you know, we look at it somewhat similar to SPACs, is that you're you're able to buy an asset um, sort of at a discount to its true true value. And so um, you know, one one of the things that we've done with our uh, other mutual fund is is we've we understood that from investors that you know they may like the SPAC opportunity as an alternative fixed income play, but they still need some sort of, um, you know, income to go along with that. So what we've done is we we've married a portfolio of closed end funds um, with SPACs to produce a, 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 a interesting, um, you know, core product that has roughly has a yield. That's roughly two X the, you know the Barclays, Ag, you know, with 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 similar credit and less interest rate risk, and so we think the combination of closed-end funds and SPACs, um, you know, should produce you know higher yields and hopefully significant uh, outperformance over over time. Right.
0: Well, you know, John, thank thanks so much for uh, for taking the time. I think you provided a lot of clarity on um, you know a pretty attractive space that. May not be getting as much coverage as as it should, given given uh given the the, the more popular story in the SPAC market. So, uh, really appreciate having you on.
1: Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And uh, you know, I think there's definitely a sort of reeducation that needs to happen, and and how how investors should be viewing the SPAC space um, versus what you know mainstream media sort of portrayed it over the last uh, you know. Year, year and a half. So, um, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Of course. Talk again soon.
1: All right. Talk to you later.